Scorcher, the hottest sports app in the history of sports apps. Download from the App Store today. Touch judges are ready. Side of studio. Referee. Players are lined up. Microphones in hand for the restart. It's now time to form the Ruck. The Sunday Rugby Show featuring Wallaby legends Tim Horan and Matt Burke. Sensational effort. The Ruck. And coming up the blind side, Tony Rubber Kick Squires. Yes, hello. Good morning. Welcome to the Ruck. Oh, it's drawing to a, a sad close this season. No rugby so much to speak of this week, although we will do that. No games. No games. No games. We've got the countdown, though. Uh-huh. Oh, the countdown of the top ten top moments. Top ten moments. I know. We've also got the countdown to the final game of the year next year with the Bledders Low. Uh, <laughs> you'll understand later why I've called the Bledders Low. <laughs> there is a pronunciation <laughs> issue with the show today. If anybody picks it up, uh, there's a hint. The pronunciation. The pronunciation. There's a there's a trick pronunciation somewhere within this next hour. Uh, if you can pick it up, uh, you might win a major prize. Then again, you may just uh, win absolutely squat. Timmy Horan, good morning to you. Morning, guys. Well, Timmy yeah, Horan, I the, should uh, say. Yeah, Horan, yeah. Or Shane, Shane Horan. He was a great Shane server, Horan. wasn't he, as well? Yeah, boys, good morning. Uh, I'm in the Gold Coast um, studio uh, this morning. A beautiful Gold Coast. Yeah. about 26 degrees. I'm about to go for a swim. But I'll tell nice. you what, when I walked into the studio, there's a taxi rank outside the studio. Uh-huh. It was quite interesting. I, there was four guys in peak sort of tutu dresses. Now, there's, there's either two options. There's either a massive night last night at Service Paradise. The Canterbury Bulldogs are there. <laughs> <laughs> or they're heading out to the Gold Coast Sevens here today, which is on here. So all the dress-ups. So it was quite interesting walking in. I thought, geez, what are these guys doing? And I realised that the Gold Coast sevens are on, which they were on yesterday and on today as well. What, what have you got on, Henry? But I'm just down here at uh, university at the moment, at Bond University. So uh, You weren't asking what of, he was wearing, were you? <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> no. No. Uh, a bit of study, but uh, no, a little bit of fun. Also, there's uh, the Coolangatta Gold. I see uh, there's a lot of competitors down here today, Coolangatta Gold, which... As you guys know, um, a great movie. How good was the movie Cool and Got a Goal? That must have been yeah. about 20 years ago. That's right. It was, um, that was a sensational Australian film. I don't know if you want to tell me right now, but you've actually been involved in the Cool and Got a Goal, haven't you, Timmy? <laughs> oh, many years ago. 2008, I actually competed in the Cool and Got a Goal, but that was uh, like a team's event. But I did the I did the 23-kilometre paddle from Cool and Gatta, from Service Paradise to Cool and Gatta. They've changed the whole course around now. But it's a 23K paddle. Then there's a 3K swimmer, about a 10K run and about a 10-kilometre board paddle and oh. um, amazing experience amazing experience 23k paddle how many arms yeah. jelly at the end oh, for those people who know the Gold Coast so um, you start at Service Paradise and halfway is about Burley Heads and then Cool and Gutters further down the end and as I got to I was paddling and there's about 50 competitors and there was two girls I was way at the back of the pack with two girls I thought I've got to beat one of these girls <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of the girls said to me about halfway at, uh, she pointed at the big um, sort of cliff there at at Burley Head, she said, "Oh, I'm so tired. Is that cool and get?" I said, "No, darling, you're halfway. You're, not, you're nowhere near it." So I knew I was, I knew I was going to beat one. Wow, <laughs> twenty-three. If twenty-three <laughs> kilometres does involve a taxi, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> this is the rock. Plenty to come, including that number one wallaby moment of all time and the man who's involved in it. This is the rock. Bit of tears. This is the rock at your Sunday rugby show. All for Scorcher, All Blacks captain. Last week uh, we were talking about him. And what a marvellous record he has. He's played about a thousand tests. Can, uh, you, sp- can you spell that? Marvellous? M-A-R. Exactly. A hundred winning tests as a which is just a phenomenal record. That won't be ever beaten, will it? Nah. You wouldn't think. Who is there anybody coming through? There's nobody that is anywhere near that. I can't, yeah, you're right. Just a phenomenal record. So when he speaks, people do listen because of that record and all he's stood for over the years. 
He's written a book, and now look, all books love to have a little bit of uh, controversy just to sell them. He probably doesn't need to do that in uh, New Zealand. He's had a little bit of a crack at the Australian uh, coach, uh, Robbie Deans, basically about his style, and he was talking about when uh, he, he backed Graham Henry over Deans as All Blacks coach. Seems to have been the, the right move. But he talks about Robbie Deans being, when he looks at the people who've worked with him, that he's a little bit, I guess the word is dictatorial. Mm. Uh, what have you made, Berkey, of this Richie McCaw stuff? The whole thing about what gets me is about the we well, probably see it with Robbie Deans and and the way he's moved on some of the older players uh, yep. Phil War Matt Guido because they're asking questions perhaps yep. um, so we'll let that well run. he moved on Nathan Sharp then brought him back then moved him on then brought him back and brought <laughs> him back right. <laughs> um, and then what, what got me was uh, the the Quade Cooper stuff uh, yeah. so go back to 2010 when O'Connor scores the try um, uh, he then comes and pushes him in the back and maybe it started then then there was the knee in the head last year mm-hmm. he actually says that. Um, he he could have passed the ball in the game, but he chased him. He went after him. So I'm thinking, and, and not about you, Timmy, but if that's the case, then maybe the 89.99% win rate can be actually got to the man. So maybe he isn't in, as infallible as we all know he can be. So we all know he's cool, calm, and collected, but maybe there is a, a hint of, you know, sometimes you can just lose it like, like the rest of us. So I reckon next week's time, chase him. Just go after him. Just... <laughs> Have a crack at him. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, it was a very big call. And then run. It, from, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a huge call from Richie, wasn't it? Because they've, they've spent so much time together and won so many uh, games together uh, in Christchurch and with the Crusaders for many years. And, and to say that in a book, I think those sort of things, especially with such a high-profile coach and a, and a relationship that they had, like you say those things behind closed doors. But I tell you what, to air them in a book, like that's a very big cause. He's a wonderful player, Richie McCaw, and it'll be great to see him next week because the, uh, the All Blacks have been absolutely sensational this year. They have been fantastic, and it's, look, it's an important game for the Wallabies too, isn't it? They've had a season, as you mentioned, Burke. They, they're still number two. Mm. They are number two on that in the rugby championship. They came through uh, with a win over Argentina, so they're number two there. But can they do something against the All Blacks next weekend, Timmy? Well, I think they can. I think they uh, have got a really good um, ratio at Suncorp Stadium. I think they've only lost two test matches there, the, the Wallabies, since the Suncorp Stadium became Suncorp Stadium from Lang Park. But uh, um, interesting to see that Nathan Sharp has been asked to continue yeah. on again. Um, yeah. You know, go on the end of season two of the four test matches that they go through Europe, the Wallabies. I, I actually think they probably should have left him home, let him retire, and bring a couple of younger players away to, to try and, you know, grow the depth of Australian rugby. But yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for the Wallabies next week. They, they um, you know, certainly need to uh, perform and, and the All Blacks is really the only team we haven't been able to beat really in the last couple of years apart from you know winning that match for the Tri-Nations this time last year. And the other story of the week of course is John O'Neill uh, deciding he is finishing up a year early as running uh, rugby. Um, Berkey, what do you make of that? Well it's a, uh, it's a big call isn't it? Um, knowing that the Lions are coming out next year yeah. as well and, and I, I thought that was going to be his sort of swan song at the time. Um, has his tenure been as good this time as, as it was the, the first time? Perhaps not. Um, in saying that, though, uh, the, when, when he came back, I think Australia were ranked fifth at the time, then they've backed to number two. So, yeah, there's, there's some positives um, and some negatives. I think the negative, perhaps, that the, the ARC tournament, the, the in-between, the mid-tier, like the Curry Cup or whatever, he, he, he can that. It didn't get off the ground again. I think, they, I think Australian rugby needs something yep. in the middle there because guys going from club rugby to state rugby, it's a massive jump and a massive eye-opener. And then, obviously, what we're trying to say is, hey, guys, you know, upskill yourself really quickly because uh, this is what is needed to, to be at the top level. 
Yeah, yeah. But Berkey, I think he's probably he, he for my, for mine he's probably if not the best in the top three of of you know sporting administrators that we've had um, in Australia. He's done a wonderful job, and I think he leaves the game. I think because he's now chairman of the Echo Group, that's probably taking a lot more time than what he expected. And 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 I think the Australian Rugby Union board thought, well, okay, well let's move John and and speak to John about him moving a little bit earlier so they can actually get someone in place for next year. But the Lions is a huge um, huge tournament. All right, there he goes, uh, and still to come, Del Piero, Alessandro, how well he went yesterday in uh, Sydney FC. Yes, it is our patented sports update coming up on The Ruck. This is The Ruck. This is The Ruck. It's your Sunday rugby show, all thanks to Scorcher. Download it for free in the App Store today. It uh, covers all sports. That's exactly what we do here at The Ruck, not just rugby. And uh, let's have a little look at what has gone on in the wide world of sport overnight and yesterday. Those who have been waiting for the A-League to kick off and do something a little bit extraordinary, it seems that that interest uh, is up and running, doesn't it? And certainly with the arrival of those marquee players, European players, uh, once more overseas. Alessandro Del Piero, the vibe around him and Sydney FC has been huge. He lived up to that yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. The 35,000 people, I think, or... I love how they I love how they can embellish on the crowds. I heard a 35, I heard a, I heard a 40,000 this morning. The, well, no, there are 70,000 people there. It only holds 38,000, but 70,000 people. Yeah. People just sitting on each other's laps. Yeah, double up. What, yeah, it was good. Yeah, what, watching, watching his penalty from 95 metres out. Yeah, that's right. And the way it's curved around his own yeah. goal before it went through uh, at the other end. It was, though, a stunning strike, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It was one of those great... Uh, over, around the wall, over the wall, and uh, the goal keeper was a little bit off his line, probably made a mistake I, I, tactically there. It looked like he even mm-hmm. sort of put the arms out and went, no, I'll, 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 I'll let this one go through. I might get a piece of his memorabilia stuff here. Wow. Just sort of pulled out a little bit. Like, he didn't, he didn't sort of go full, you know, full Are you arms. saying that this is all pre-planned <laughs> all between pre-planned. the goalkeeper? It's all pre-planned. The Newcastle goalkeeper. Uh, Newcastle, of course, won three. They beat uh, Sydney FC 3-2. But there was enough there, I think, for those to believe that uh, he, Alexander Del Piero, certainly has got plenty to offer. Mm. And, you know, and Brett Emerton in the second half pushing forward looked pretty good. The other game, Brisbane uh, 5-0 of uh, Ange Postacoglu's new team, uh, Melbourne Victory. That's a shocking result. The Kangaroos, 18 beat New Zealand, 10 in Townsville last night and in a tight test, much tighter than most people believed it would be. Mm. I just want to ask you two men who faced the Harker, and we've talked about this before because it's one of those great moments in sport, always has been, uh, and the different ways that the uh, the Wallabies have, have done it over the years, trying to terrify them with, uh, you know, coming out and just in all your tracky, tracky decks. <laughs> Walter Matilda. Then, then bring on Walter <laughs> Matilda to really scare the, uh, the New Zealanders. I always love it. Always love it. It's one of the great moments of, of a rugby test match. Now, they did it last night, uh, the rugby league players in New Zealand. Ones. And, gee, they threw a lot of petrol in, didn't they? They really did have a crack. There was a lot oh. of tongue and eye rolling action. I, I just don't know if other sports really uh, it should go beyond that. I don't, do you think it should be in anything other than rugby? Netball plays well, this afternoon. Yeah, netball. I was going to say, netball. Yeah, it'd be great to New see Zealand, the, net, the, netball, the, the netballers do. I mean, but Isaac Luke, did you see no. his eyes roll back and yeah. his tongue went out and, and Benji yeah. Marshall? Well, I think it's a great tradition. But, yeah, maybe you're right, Tony. But, um, I don't know, do, do the, the Kiwis do it in all other sports as well? You know, occasionally you see it. Yeah, I, they, I'm not sure if they do it in all other sports. But I don't, I don't know if they, they – I mean, these guys practice, like, hours and hours for it. I remember asking yeah. one of the guys I play with them, in Newcastle, Mark Mayhoffler, who was one of the All Black boys, yeah. and they used to go off the bus and practice, you know, on the side of the road, literally, like you know, find a car park to, to make yeah. sure. And and that was part of the 
the routine and the culture to make sure it was spot on. The All Blacks often do, they change it up too, a different mm-hmm. style of haka. The one I saw last night looked pretty much like the Kamba De Kamba the, the, the traditional style yeah. one. And, and they, they nailed it. They did nail it. But they often do, you know, there, there was one that was basically all on, on knees, a couple of tests this year. Yeah, it's called the uh, Kopa Apunga. So it's, uh, it's uh, another haka that they do. Very rarely they do that, but apparently it encapsulates all the different sort of tribals and all the different um, characteristics and the culture um, for the islanders. All right. Do you know, if we're going to go on Richie McCall then, um, mm-hmm. in 2010, yeah. uh, Timmy, I heard that uh, Fitzpatrick asked McCall, uh, Sean Fitzpatrick asked McCall, what are you going to do? Because they, they're talking about this new Kapo Apunga as in having more respect for the opposition. And they said, uh, are you gonna, which one are you going to do against the Wallabies? And he said, no, we're just going to do the, the Kamati Haka. He said, what, you don't respect the blokes? He said, no, no, Perry Weepu's not here to lead it. No one else can actually do the start of the, start of the words. So we said, we're going to go that route. So it's all a myth anyhow. <laughs> all right, the Lance Armstrong. Look, everybody's been speaking about Lance Armstrong and these drug uh, claims now, the 1,000-page report from the U.S. Doping Agency into what went on. The only person who hasn't put his hand up and admitted it, of course, is Lance Armstrong. I'm not <laughs> sure why he hasn't done that. In, in all honesty, that's what surely he must do. Now, because overnight Matt White, the Australian, uh, has admitted he was mm-hmm. in a team, and as he described it, he was in a team that had a policy of of, of drug use, and he was formed part of that, and, and so was involved in it. And that, of course, being Lance Armstrong's team. Now, if he, you know, and it, it's a huge thing for him because he's got a job within cycling here, mm-hmm. and he's had stand aside while all, all this. He's in the Aussie team, the Green yeah, Edge. Yeah. Correct, correct. Uh, so Lance Armstrong seems to be the only bloke now who's not saying, you know, he's just gone quiet, which I think is further tarnishing his reputation. Well, it, it, at the moment, it's, uh, it seems to be that way, Tom. And then also, I mean, apart from that, you look at the sponsors that he's, that he's had, and Nike have, yep. have said, we'll support you. There's obviously a, a couple of more. But you'd, then you then question further down the track about his foundation, the Livestrong Foundation. It's, it's yep. made $500 million of grants and the rest of it um, over time. So then you're thinking to yourself, how, how is that going to work? How is that going to affect? Because what he's doing there is a fantastic thing. But yep. then... Yep. It's all relative to uh, yeah. to what he comes out with. Yeah, but he's, he's inspired so many cancer um, patients or people who've got over cancer. And, True. Um, it's interesting to see Bradley Wiggins come out through the week and say, well, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, more than damaging for the sport. And I, I reckon what will probably happen in the end, well, they'll, with cycling, there's so much doubt on a side. I'm sure there's plenty of cyclists who have just finished their morning Sunday morning ride, had their coffee and they're heading home. Yeah. Um, but the sport, in the end, may just go open slow. They say, okay, do what you want. Yes. Because we can't control it. So whether you want to take drugs or just you know take um, you know you know something else to sort of get there. Because um, I remember we had a, a fitness trainer for the Wallabies, Berkey. You'd remember that um, got asked about the Wallabies. You know what are they taking? And um, he said, oh, "All we take is uh, bloody hard work." You know. So yeah. most of the most of these guys now, the cyclists. Prop- I'm not sure. You know, are they all clean? Some of them maybe. Certainly the bloke who uh, knocked on my passenger window asked me to roll the window down after I'd driven. He claimed I'd driven in front of him yesterday morning yeah, yeah. In, in Sydney traffic. Totally on drugs. <laughs> totally on drugs. This is the ruck. <laughs> this is the ruck. Paul Kelly. Dumb Things. Got a new album uh, out. I read a review of yesterday. Looks very, very good. This, of course, is The Ruck. It is your Sunday rugby show. All for Scorcher, the hottest sports app in the history of sports apps. And in the history of Wallaby uh, sport, there have been some sensational moments. We have been counting them down. It began earlier in the year when we just were having not a great deal of a, a terrific run. The Olympics were hopeless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Wallabies weren't doing anything. Uh, so we decided we would relive some great moments. And uh, the white board came out. Uh, I wasn't consulted, obviously, but Timmy Horan and Matt Burke spent a lot of time 
just trying to put their names on the whiteboard <laughs> in, in the great moments. Yeah, Berkey tried to do it twice, didn't oh, he, at didn't one he? stage? He, he absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he said, can I have number nine, five and two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. A great deal of discussion was entered into. It's been, been terrific and we've managed to catch up uh, uh, with most of the people involved in that top ten. We are, of course, going to get to the number one today and speak to the person who is involved. Uh, I thought, though, boys, maybe we should just relive mm. some of the moments that we have already counted down. Australia looking dangerous here. The top ten moments in Australian rugby. Number ten. Todai Kefu. 2001 Bledisloe Cup. Here's Kefu now. A try would put Australia in the lead. Kefu. Nine. I was actually having a rest behind there, and all of a sudden was like, oh, I'm on. Matthew Burke's Bledisloe try in 1996. And it's amazing what fear does to you, and I threw a dummy, and Christian Cullen sort of jumped in the, in the air for a star jump, and then it was a case of, okay, pin the ears back, have a crack, and, uh, and see if you can make it to the try line, and did a big swan dive in the end. Eight. The magic that is David Campisi. Yeah, wonderful player, David Campisi. He played 101 test matches. I think he had a world record uh, 63 tries. Incredible winger for the Wallabies for many, many years. Was part of the 1991 Rugby World Cup. Uh, had a wonderful career. I think he might have, in his whole time of playing the game, I think he ended up making two tackles in his career. <laughs> At number seven, the 1984 Grand Slam, led by Alan Jones. Oh, look, it was a very rewarding experience. Obviously, we were... It was a pioneering event. I mean, it was very tough. It was a long, long tour. We built that momentum through, I guess, the success we had and the way we played. And it was the way we played, I think, with the ball in hand and, and playing the wits of the paddock that captured the imagination of people there. I think that filtered through to Australia. Number six, Greg Cornicel's four try. What a break. In 1978. Most points any Australian has ever scored in a test. Number five. Intercepted. Sterling Mortlock's intercept try at the 2003 World Cup. Mortlock takes him, but he can give up. Mortlock gets the first try. Number four. Tim Horan's try in the 1991 World Cup semi final in Ireland. Whenever Campo got about a metre away from someone about the tackling, he'd just throw the ball anywhere. <laughs> so I knew it was coming somewhere and caught it and sort of dived over the line. Number three. The magical moment. John Eels won the Bledisloe Cup off his own boot in 2000. That, that team that we had through that period of time, and I think you, you can't ignore that lead up to that period of time, we spent a lot of tough times together, and as I said earlier, it makes those good ones feel, feel even better. Number two. Drop goal from Larkham. Stephen Larkham's drop goal to reach the 1999 World Cup final. Coming to you right after this. What is it? <laughs> this is The Ruck. You somebody, yeah, that is our song here on The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show, Tony Squires, Matt Burke, Tim Horan. The Ruck. Here it comes for Australia. The top ten moments. The green and gold of Australia. In Aussie rugby, one. Yes, here it is. We've been counting them down. I want to take you back to the Sydney Football Stadium. 1999. The Wallabies and the All Blacks. The Wallabies start the game, obviously, in brilliant fashion. But true to form, the All Blacks continue the fight. Deep into the game, All Black winger Jeff Wilson heads down the touchline, seemingly destined to cross for a try in the corner. But one man had other ideas. And Wilson! Oh, that is a save by Gregan as Munson went for the match-winning try. Little George 
we're joined right here, right now, by the man himself, uh, true Wallaby legend, George Gregan. George, congratulations. You are number one. <laughs> Thank you. Very happy to take that place. That's for sure. I bet you are. Isn't it a moment that uh, all of Australia, certainly I remember it so clearly. Have you had times where you just, you know, people in the street wander up to you, oh, I remember that tackle. I must, must be thousands of lunches where you relive it. Yeah, that imagery comes up quite a bit during the Bledisloes, obviously. And but on a on the funny side, I think a lot of people, and I know it was about a forty thousand seater stadium, the yep. SFS. But I think there's probably about thirty thousand people who said they sat in that corner and saw it live. <laughs> <laughs> it just ballooned out the yeah. side there. Yeah, it's got out of control. Yeah, I was at the tide test. Uh, you know, <laughs> everybody claims to be there. <laughs> So, George, what about the the, the moment um, in 1994 at Sydney Football Stadium? Have you ever spoken to Jeff Wilson and um, sat down, had a beer with him and, and spoken about the moment that sort of really made your career, didn't it? Yeah, we have, actually. We actually did one lunch with the one lunch only in Sydney, and that was obviously brought up. It brings back, you know, and it was bigger than as a man to take all that, and there's obviously lots of questions. But I think what you've got to realise, I think he stepped about six or seven people to get himself yes. into that position. Yeah. He had amazing footwork, and it's probably the only time in that run where he didn't step sidestep someone and I was lucky enough to get that tackle away but I, as I said and I've said this plenty of times I've played against him many many times he played over 50 sets for the All Blacks he's one of the great All Blacks sort of back three players I, I, he's, he certainly stepped me many many times after that you know scenario so I think I was happy to have got him at least once no, you drove him back to cricket because uh, he, <laughs> he did play some one-day cricket for New Zealand. Did you know, though, at what point, you know, obviously you were always a very confident player, but did you know you had it? you know you could get him over the touchline? When did you know the tackle was going to go right for you? Oh, you didn't know. You know, you're just, you're just desperate. You're sort of just doing your job. You're getting across there and just hurling yourself at it and seeing what comes up. And for us, it was, it was lucky for Australia that night. The ball popped out and, and it was just one of those... Situations where, look, honestly, you're just doing your job, and there's no way um, that you'd be saying, "Yeah, I knew I was going to hit him there, and the ball was going to spit out like you'd be, you know, it's a bit Pinocchio." If I said that, <laughs> what about, mate? It all, you're right. It all fell into place that night off the kickoff. Uh, the Wallabies won the kickoff. David Knox puts a bomb up. Jason Little's Jason Little catches the ball over the line and scores the uh, the tries. It was it was six nil, seven nil within you know, about literally a minute. You then picked up. Richard Lowe and dumped him on his on his rear at, at some stage. Um, it all worked well. Campo did the hel- the famous helicopter tackle and uh, and pretty much let you make the last one. Yeah, that was it. Was amazing. I think we had them at seventeen nil or something like that, and they just fought back. Particularly in that second half, they just it just showed. That was my first test against the All Blacks, and everything I'd heard and and was told to and, and be prepared to expect came through in that second half. They just relentless and they just backed themselves and they came at us time after time and before you know it they're in front and yeah it was it was a really tough test match and uh, epic epic sort of finish but there was many epic finishes when you played the All Blacks I was lucky enough to play them many times and they're always tight finishes for many many games Mate, you know, we know you've got your fingers in a lot of pies at the moment doing so much. Are the things you miss, though, I mean, apart from the hair, I see in that photograph uh, <laughs> and that tackle. <laughs> but the other thing I think you would certainly miss is having to explain the rules to referees uh, week in, week out when you yeah, were playing. I was always gathering clarity because it's a confusing game. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I was just always getting a bit of clarity and just come again. Okay, all oh, right, I'll just take that back to the boys because they're, they're simpler than me. But... Um, 
I'd be really struggling now. There'd be less ball in play now with the sort of queries I'd have because there's that many interpretations of the laws which seemed cleaner and, and, and simpler back in the day. But anyway, no, I, I enjoyed that aspect of working with the referees <laughs> to try and make it a good spectacle. <laughs> so where are you now, George? Are you about to uh, jump on a plane to come to the Gold Coast? Yeah, heading to the Sevens, which is great. I'll just see that the Australian team's on, on top of full B, which is great. A good win against Fiji, so they're in the quarterfinals against Kenya. So I'm heading up there to watch that today and um, and do some work with HSBC, so that should be good. Sweet. I'll tell you what, you've got the gigs lined up, Gov. That's fantastic. Are you going to hang around Are you going to hang around for the, the Bledisloe next week? Maybe you're going up there. Obviously, yes. it's been an indifferent year, so to speak. They are number two in the world. How are they going to get, go against these blokes, you reckon? a really good opportunity for them to just finish the season on a positive note but this all black team like you've got to give credit where it's due I think they've just surpassed the, their top level of play last year when they were world champions their performance against the, uh, the, the Springboks uh, in Soweto a couple of weeks ago was outstanding where they came from behind and scored some wonderful team tries and some really good set piece tries just to close that game out so that's what they're up against they can, they can deliver at home and away um, so Australia, like not much changes when you play the New, when you play New Zealand teams. You've really got to start well and take on that challenge. Otherwise, they're very good at dictating terms to you. George Gregan, uh, can we just say here from the right? Congratulations on being our number one moment, number one. golden moment for the Wallabies. <laughs> uh, well one. deserved and as, all, as always, terrific to speak to you. Thanks so much. No pleasure, guys. Take care. Good on you, guys. This is The Rock. This is The Rock. That's Powderfinger, and this is The Rock. It's your Sunday rugby show for Scorcher. Download it for free in the App Store today. You may well have noticed in the newspapers, uh, those in Sydney, that uh, club cricket captain, the Australian captain, Michael Clark, has made a very rare appearance. I mean, they, the timing-wise, they're either playing, they so rarely get to play mm. for their states, these guys, because the international, with all the you know, yeah. duties that they have, given that but he's they not playing... Them all, they should, yeah, they should give them more time off to do this, yeah. doesn't it? Just, um, you saw photos, or you saw on the television um, last night, you know, taking the covers off, Michael Clark trying yeah. to fold the covers and actually take it off with his <laughs> teammates great. before he gets out there. Pushing <laughs> the sight screen, you know, when you're not yeah. batting, you're out there. It's, I, I love all that. Scoring, I'm, scoring you, as well. Yeah, exactly, getting some runs. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going when Shane Watson last season made his comeback from injury and it was at Waverley Oval in Sydney uh, playing against East. And it was terrific to see him, him there. And, and I think, uh, you know, there's a couple of others played that game as well. But so he's turned up and, as you say, uh, there's some great photographs. There's one of him coming out to bat with the other, the, the kid who's batting with him. He looks about 12 years old. Made me feel very, very old. But Papa's <laughs> gone back to And that's his roots. Is at Pratton Park. And he's playing against North. I think he made about 38. Got caught and bowled uh, by the North skipper who was very chuffed, so chuffed to have done that. It does give did, those players... Did he, sign, did he sign the ball afterwards for him? <laughs> That's right. Well, he signed it as it was going up the pitch before he caught it. It was going so slowly. Uh, all right, so I love the idea of doing this. Is there a great deal of difference in those standards? Now, both of you, two being elites possibly, have played for the Wallabies. Did you get to play for your clubs much? Was it uh, a great hoo-ha when you turned up, Berkey? Well, after 1996, when it went rugby went professional uh, obviously most of the emphasis was on playing for either New South Wales or playing and then if you played for Australia you went that way or if not yep. you went back to, and played club club level uh, which was great um, over my 10-11 years of playing uh, for Waratahs I ended up uh, getting 50 games up or just for, for Eastwood and I went back there and most of it was for through injury and coming back and, and you're making your, your stance again but I do remember you know, the boys are into me you're saying you know uh, you haven't been back there for so long have you got the GPS in your car do you know where you're going that kind of stuff <laughs> and I did turn up at, uh, at Eastwood one day at Milner and you used to have your, your club pass, which gets you, you know, you flush the badge and that you're, you're a registered player and you get you in there yeah. and I didn't have one and the bloke's gone uh, he said uh, <clears throat> that's uh, five bucks thanks mate I went listen I'm playing today and he goes <laughs> 
That's five bucks, thanks, mate. <laughs> I said, oh, mate, I'm, I've just played a test last week. He goes, that's five bucks, thanks, mate. It was like, damn it. <laughs> and you would have paid him, Berkey. You would have paid him with all those $1 bills you still had in your wallet. I said, mate, can you break 100 <laughs> Jimmy? Uh, yeah, it was club rugby was fantastic in the early days in the amateur days. Like you'd play a test match at the Sydney Football Stadium, um, you know, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, you'd have an after match function, have a few drinks and dinner. You'd have a nice night, but then you'd be on a, a sort of eight o'clock plane the next morning to go back to Brisbane um, because the coach of, of South Southern Districts, who I used to play for in Brisbane, the Magpies, where it had Jason Little, Sam Scott Young, Troy Coker, um, Dan Crowley, Tom Lord, had a really good team. But the the coach would always say, okay, after a test match, boys, can you just come back to six or seven of you and just sit on the bench. We won't need you, but mm-hmm. if you can just sit on the bench. But all of a sudden, after three minutes, you're always on the field yes. playing another game. But um, no, it was a great um, club rugby, and that's the great thing with sport. And Michael Clark playing it, that, it gives the kids something to say. I can, I can aspire to that and mm. aspire to be like those guys. Yeah, exactly. All right, look. Uh, sadly, we're just about out of time. I just want to congratulate once again uh, George Gregan for being our number one Wallaby moment. And uh, after he'd finished, Berkey, I, I just wanted to remind me of your role uh, in, in that game and mm. the post-game festivities. I was uh, in those days. There was only twenty-one in the team, and I was the twenty-second man. I was uh-huh. I was covering a guy called Matt Pinney who had a, a bad hamstring. He ended up playing the game, but they said to me beforehand it was the manager, a fellow called Peter Fork, and he said, "He said, Berkey, we want you to pack a bag, boots, mouth guard, and that kind of stuff, and give it to us. But in the meantime, can you go to a, a, a like a, a pre-match function and just sort of stick your head in there?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries." It was just down near Ramwick Way, and uh, I ended up having. <laughs> I got I got pushed into having two beers. Pushed, pushed into. He said, "No, you'd be right, mate. You won't be playing." He said, "You can." I said, "No, I actually could be on the bench tonight. I could be playing." He said, "No, no, you'd be fine there." So I had two uh, two beers before I played, and I ended up uh, not having a hotel room that night and slept at George Grigan's under his basin in his. Um, in the bathroom of his uh, of his of his room there, so the glamour of being glamour. a wallaby there is sleeping on the bathroom floor, but it was of the bathroom of the man who got the number, number one. one wallaby moment. He got it. Yeah, he got it. Congratulations, Georgie. Thanks so much, men. Can uh, the Blurslow game next week will be our final for the year. Uh, we'll catch up with you then. See you soon.